1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: Whether you call it downsizing, outsourcing, reshuffling, reorganizing, tightening the belt, streamlining, it all comes down to one thing, doesn't it? You're out of a job and there's a recession. Now, the unemployment stagnation right now is certainly at its worst we've seen since the decade of the 1930s. The most rapid new job creation is, get excited about this, in part-time, no-benefit, low-wage jobs where things like college tuition, payments for the kids, uh, retirement savings, and even new cars every four years are only a dream what to do. Well, today on this segment of Lifeline, we're going to answer some of those critical questions when the old methods to get re-employed simply don't work anymore. Joining me tonight in studios, Dr. David Petrove He has a master's degree in counseling and guidance, a doctorate in education, and uh, he operates a career counseling and development facility where he helps folks that are quite frankly stuck get unstuck and back into the working world. And Dr. David Petrovay, welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much, Craig. The terms of engagement have changed pretty significantly, haven't they? I mean, it wasn't that many years ago you could type up a resume, come up with a cover letter that usually started with something like, I'm looking for an exciting opportunity in a new job place, send out a dozen or so copies to some friends and associates, and the phone calls started coming in, and if you were lucky, maybe you were unemployed only for a week or two, hardly enough time to get down to the EDD and apply for unemployment. That's no longer the case. No, it isn't. What we're seeing
3: now is people who are in the job search mode for a much longer period of time, and they are experiencing challenges
2: in finding new employment for themselves. Some of those challenges pretend to changes in the world and how it works, jobs that simply no longer exist. I think, for example, of the the closure of the big Toyota NUMI plant here in Fremont. If you're one of a handful of people that got to work for the new uh, Tesla folks, good for you. But for the remaining 5,000, it's either relocating to Detroit or a whole new career. So. The old jobs are disappearing, and then I think it becomes tougher, too, doesn't The older we get, let's face it, we have bigger expenses in life, greater expectations. I can hire a 20-year-old who will take the job at 10 bucks an hour or bring in some experience who would like to have $55,000 a year plus benefits. Well, that's it, and it's
3: interesting because a number of years ago I worked for an agency, and during the day I would interview, work with people who covered the age range of probably 18 to 80. And what people would come in with is, no one will hire me because, for the older worker, no one will hire me because I'm too old. For the younger worker, no one will hire me because I don't have experience. So you're seeing it from both ends in terms of the challenges that people are facing in terms of what they need to bring into the workforce
2: that is going to make them marketable. A big part of what you do then is shattering a lot of misconceptions and old ideas about what it means to get a job? I really do. I think that one of the things that people do is they come in with myths,
3: and we certainly can dispel a number of those. And the other thing that we do is there's what we call self-fulfilling prophecy, if I go out on a job search with the belief that no one will hire me because I'm too young, too old, overweight, whatever label I choose to use, in some way, that will
2: influence the job search. So in other words, that comes through to the hiring authority. Yes, They it see does. it in the cover letter. They feel it in the interview. And almost
3: as if... Uh, They are sitting across from an interviewer, and although they're giving the answers, their body language, some of the words that they use, indicate they're acknowledging, I think there's a bias here, whether there is or not. And if there isn't, I can certainly give you ammunition that will help you to make a decision not to hire me. So folks essentially set themselves up for disappointment. And if you were to ask someone afterwards, Craig, um, did you do that consciously? The answer is probably no. Okay, This is done at a very, very subconscious level. So it's a matter of sitting down with people and learning from them
2: what their self-beliefs are and begin to challenge those. If the old methods, as you suggest, just don't work anymore because so much of the world around us has changed, even the notion, for example, of applying for positions online, well, 10 years ago, absolutely unheard of. Today, it's almost the norm. You used the word earlier, reinvent, just before Mm -hmm. we came on the air. What did you mean by that? Well,
3: reinventing, um, according to the Chinese, they look at the word crisis as opportunity. So while you may see what you're going through in terms of unemployment as a crisis for you, and certainly there are aspects of it that make it very difficult, like paying your bills, how can you turn this around into opportunity? Uh, One of the things that you need to do when you begin a job search, and probably this should start at a much younger age than we do here in the United States, being able to truly answer the question, who am I? And that gets down to the core of not only who you are, but what your talents are. What are the unique gifts that you have that you will take with you through your life that, will, that you will use
2: across a broad variety of environments, one of them being work? You talk about setting yourself up for disappointment. How many people really don't understand who they are? And as a result take a job because they have a mortgage to pay. It's not necessarily anything that they enjoy doing. They don't look forward to it. They really don't want to do it because, well, this is not just who I am. But this is all I know how to do. I've done it for the last 30 years. I just lost my job doing it. So the most natural inclination is to go out and find another job doing the same thing. Can that be read by the hiring authority? Do they know that you're in for an interview for a job that you certainly need, but at the core probably don't really want? Well, in some cases, you'd be looking
3: at being able to read desperation, Mm -hmm. and I think we can certainly read that in people. Uh, We read it in body language. We can read it in a variety of ways. Only about 7% of what we actually communicate is through what we say verbally. Most of it comes through things like body language. And if someone is sitting across from you, they may not even be aware of how they're reading your body language, something just doesn't feel
2: right. Mm-hmm. Can't put their finger on it, as the saying goes, but they know something's, something's
3: not Something's right. not right, and they probably will trust that and pass that person over.
2: So are you suggesting then, Dr. Petrovay, that we take a few steps back, that mm-hmm. once the hammer has fallen, in comes the pink slip, now we know we're officially unemployed, rather than the first step being what seems to be the natural inclination, print up the resume, get the cover letter, start working the telephones, and try to find a new job, to take a few steps back and say, time for a complete re-evaluation, and to maybe not ask the question, where do I go next, but what's the best place for me to go? Who am I? What do I really want to do? Exactly. So this is where we talk about opportunity.
3: If you start out with just putting together resumes and mailing them out online, they go in many cases into what I call the black hole. Mm -hmm. And what we're learning is many times they're not even read. When you think about the number of resumes that are submitted for positions, many times people aren't even qualified. I've actually been part of a hiring process where we Filed the job position on a very well-known job site, had quite a few responses, and people
2: didn't even know what was involved with the job. They are sending out blind resumes just out of desperation. That's right. And then there's the old adage, we had 4,000 applicants for, you know, 40 positions that are open. There are a lot of cases, too, aren't there, where companies are posting because, well, it's part of the company's H.R. policy. We want to make sure for equal employment opportunity uh, regulations and the like that we are posting so that we can attract as broad a number of candidates as possible. The reality is we already have a candidate in mind.
3: Right. And that is more common than people even realize. That I actually had that experience myself not that many years ago where I applied for a position. And people said, I don't know why they're going to take any application other than yours. You're perfect. And I knew the job inside and out, Craig. And my first letter from the company was, you haven't even been considered for the first round. Wow. And so what I found out later was there was already someone internally. Does this kind of take us back then, Doctor, to the old notion, it's not what you know, it's who you know? And you know what? That's probably been in place
2: for thousands of years and will not likely change. So as much as we've seen this dramatic shift in the working world, telecommuting, online applications, all of the like, at the core, it still comes back to what has always worked and probably will continue to be the principal driving force behind how you get the gem job, and that is by who you know.
3: Yes, and there are people who do get jobs by sending in a resume, and they are hired purely on the basis of that. So I'm not negating that. The majority of the jobs, at least 70% from what we know from studies, happen because you knew someone. Someone within that system who had the ability to pass information on to the powers that be who could make a decision to bring you in and have you interview. And this is what we refer to as
2: networking. Mm. So if I'm putting a lot of energy into the old methodology, I'm probably just simply spinning my wheels. You're probably gonna, you may find
3: yourself, if you're lucky, in about the five, at most 10% of people who get jobs that way at this point.
2: Boy, that doesn't sound like a very encouraging (laughs) percentile. No,
3: it doesn't. Again, I don't want to negate the fact that, you know,
2: don't stop doing
3: that. Just don't put all of your eggs in one basket with it. Okay. Okay. So then it
2: comes down to the notion of how do I get connected or reconnected And begin, if I don't have any kind of a social network that can assist me in all of this, get one developed so I can be in the greater likelihood of the 70 percentile that finds jobs through the not-what-you-know-but-who-you-know methodology versus the online, through-the-mail, historical means, which probably is not going to bode very well for, for results. Right. And I think when we look,
3: Craig, at the term networking, Oftentimes we think networking means that I come up to you as someone I either have just met or someone I know and say to you, I'm out of work. Can you help me find a job?
2: I envision a bunch of people at a cocktail party or something walking around, you know, uh, in suits and ties, going up to folks saying, hi, my business card. Here's a copy of my resume. Can you help sort of a thing? And there
3: are people who do that. I have been in recent networking situations where the person didn't even ask my name. The very first thing they did was hand me a business card. Mm. And I'm thinking, maybe this will be something that'll be beneficial to you in the future. But at this point, I don't even know who you are. And I've seen people post on social media like LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. where let's say they're in the same alumni group that I might be in. And their question is first of all, their statement begins, I just. Graduated with my bachelor's degree in marketing. Question following, who out there can connect me with someone who is hiring? And I think, I don't even know who you are. I mean, I don't know what your qualifications are. Granted, you graduated from the same university I did. But in my own graduating class back in the 70s, I graduated with 4,800 people. That's a lot of people Mm -hmm. in one class in these large universities, how would you even begin to know who other people were? So
2: you run the gambit, as you're suggesting, of people on one end of the continuum that are overly confident and bold, to the point of being ridiculous, and others who, through fear and intimidation, just simply are paralyzed and don't know what to do. So how do we go about then finding the balance between the two extremes? That's the topic we're zeroing in on tonight. With me in studios, Dr. David Petrave. He is a uh, gentleman who helps folks find how to reinvent their work lives, to get back in the working world, not just taking home a paycheck, but actually finding satisfaction in what they do. Hey, there's a novel idea. A brief timeout back with more of the conversation as this edition of Lifeline continues.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: All right, and back to the conversation. Craig Romers along with my in-studio guest tonight, Dr. David Petrovay. He, of course, is an expert in the arena of career counseling. How do you rediscover you? How do you reinvent yourself and how do you get your proverbial toe back into the water again to find not just any job out of desperation, but the job that's right for you, the job that makes you say, let me get out of bed today and go to work as I want to go there and, and make a difference or feel like I'm changing the world or have a great sense of accomplishment, the kind of career that you can be proud of. And I guess, as you mentioned earlier, Dr. Petruve, to to restructure your thinking, not from the negativity, I've lost a job. No woe was me. What do I do? Nobody wants to talk to me. We're using a lot of the old methodology, which, as you're suggesting, from the statistics and even the EDD, has a tutorial video on its website. That at the end, after they give you all these resources, apply with your resume to Cal jobs, and you can find their jobs board and all of these wonderful things. What do they tell you? Oh, by the way, 70 to 75 percent of all the folks that get placed do so not through the traditional means that we've just taught you about, but rather by connecting with other people's social networking. So take us a little bit deeper there. Um, Visibility is a word that you used a moment ago. What do you mean by that?
3: Well, if any of you are familiar with the real estate world, they always say selling real estate is about location, location, location. Location. In the world of the job search and in career coaching and counseling, my three words are visibility, visibility, visibility. No one is gonna find you sitting at home, sitting behind a computer, sending out resumes blindly, hoping that someone picks up on yours. As I said earlier, it does happen. Don't give up on that. It's not as effective as being out there in the world, being visible. One way in which you can, if you are currently looking for work, make yourself visible is to take advantage
2: of volunteer opportunities. Yeah, I was going to say, because often folks will say, well, okay, how do I make myself visible? The one way in which I was out there was going to work every day. Well, I've lost that. So where can I get up and go once or twice a week or more that I can be engaged? So Go a little bit deeper. When you say volunteerism, how does that work?
3: Well, first of all, it goes back to the question of who am I? And the who am I includes what do I love doing? If you love gardening, find a group of individuals volunteering to beautify an area of the city. If you love working with animals, go and help with an animal rescue group. If you go online, you will find line after line after line of opportunities to volunteer here in the Bay Area. When, when you do that, you are out among people. These people are now in, they are observing you working. They will see your work ethic. They will be able to evaluate your skills. You are planting the seeds in their mind of, hmm, this may be a person who could work well in Mm -hmm. this
2: paid setting. We also think typically, I think, very narrow-mindedly that, well, um, if it's not what I know but who I know, how do I know that those people are the hiring authorities? They may not be the hiring authority. They may not have a job to give you, but they might know somebody who does. Exactly. One of the things that I did, um, I was one of these
3: people who took a leap of faith after 34 years of working in an established field. I made the decision one day that it was time for me to move on. And like probably many people here, I thought that I would have no problem being hired because of all of my skill sets, all
2: of my experience. I found that not to be the case. So even though you come to the table with skills, experience, a nice pedigree, a CV that's very impressive, that's not necessarily the lightning in the bottle then to find a job. It wasn't. Hmm. So what I had to do
3: was, first of all, I joined a professional networking group. And this was a support group of well over 100 people, all in the same boat. We were all looking for work, and one of the people who managed the program suggested that if I was interested in pursuing career coaching and counseling as a profession, why not volunteer several hours a week working with the other members of the networking group and giving them some structure to what they wanted to do through the coaching and counseling? Well, I did that to the tune of probably well over 100 people. And as a result of the feedback from the work that I did, the person who suggested it recommended me to the hiring manager and I was hired in a position there. Mm. So that's how that worked. And that's oftentimes the case with people. So someone is watching you, whether you believe it or not, who may take that information of what they observe on to another individual and say, have you thought about Mary
2: Jones? For this type of work. So it's expanding your sphere of influence. It is is kind of the modern-day equivalent, then, of going out and getting the sandwich board and walking up and down in front of the street. But instead, you're putting on display your skill set, your talents, your interests with a group of people that then can possibly say, well, I know somebody who knows somebody who it's a cousin of the cousin of the cousin, and then make a recommendation.
3: Right. And so when we think about networking, we have our first line. These are the people that we know face to
2: face. People we go to church with, next door neighbors, we're a member right. of the men's club, the social club, the car collectors club, whatever.
3: And people say, well, I don't necessarily belong to clubs, so I don't have that network. Well, do you get your hair cut? Okay, Do you have your car repaired? These are all potentially people in your network. They are people
2: who know other people. Mm -hmm. So we have to get beyond the idea that if I am a mechanic, uh, yeah, I can talk to the guy that changes the oil in my car, but uh, how can the person who uh, does my banking help me? But they may know somebody.
3: That's it. And so what you want to do is in networking, it's not about here's my business card, find me a job. It's this is who I am. You know, my name is David Petrave and i want to get i want you to get to know me as a person mm-hmm. it's all about reaching out and building relationships you
2: made the comment i think off the air about the notion that we so often put so much weight in the traditional resume methodology but you said that the resume is really nothing more than kind of an elongated or expanded calling card exactly that's all it is it's a
3: here's in a snapshot in one or two pages who i not so much who I am, what I've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I also know, having read many resumes and then matching them, them, matching them up with the person when I met them, they looked very good on paper. Would I hire the person?
2: No. A lot of creative writing skills. A
3: lot that. of creative writing. And what you do is not always necessarily a match for the culture of the company. And what we're looking for in terms of individual personality traits that are going to work well with what we do.
2: And paper can never fully really express who you are as a person. It can't really tell the story of the work ethic. You can tell me in writing that I never miss a day of work. But come and volunteer and let me see that every day when the doors are open at 9 o'clock, Charlie's there ready to go. Now we know the kind of caliber of character that we're dealing with. And Charlie takes initiative.
3: Charlie doesn't wait to be told what to do next. Charlie looks for opportunities within that setting, within that volunteer setting, to say, hey, I'd like to step up to the plate and help out with this project. Or I've noticed that in this area, we could probably use some shoring up. I've got some great ideas. Would you be open to listening Uh to what they might be? And I'll be glad to head them up.
2: We're going to take a time out. When we come back, let's expand this dialogue into some of the new methodology that is out there today for networking that begins in the electronic environment. It can take us much further beyond that. Places like Facebook and LinkedIn. If you've just joined our conversation this evening, Dr. David Petrovay tonight in studio. He is an expert career counselor, helps people to not just reinvent themselves, find out who the real you is, and then get to work on a whole new career path. This goes beyond simply lost a job, find the job, get a new paycheck, to finally finding the job that gives you satisfaction, gives you purpose, gives you the spring in your step to go to work every day. How do we go about doing this? We'll continue the dialogue. If you want to continue eavesdropping on the conversation we invite you to do so a brief time out back with more of the conversation as this edition of lifeline continues
1: and now back to lifeline with craig roberts
2: we're back to the conversation tonight in studio, Dr. David Petrovay. How to reinvent yourself, reinvigorate yourself, get back into the working world with a sense of fulfillment, satisfaction, and yes, to even that paycheck. That's always real helpful. But what's difficult these days is a lot of the old-style methodology that we use. Print up a bunch of resumes and cover letters and start sending them out. And we were just talking to Petrovay off the air about how even the EDD sort of perpetuates this myth and methodology because they say, well, in order to maintain your unemployment insurance, you need to have at least three resumes and contacts per week, and you need to document all of this. So we're driving people to go to Craigslist and Monster.com and uh, the online job bulletin locations, find places, email them resumes, fill out all these ridiculous forms, maintain all of this, and then sit back and wait, and all you hear is the sound of the grass growing. You're suggesting we need to completely rethink our approach to this. Visibility, the three Vs. Visibility, 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 maybe the four Vs. Volunteerism in there as well. The other arena that I think a lot of people are fascinated in and yet kind of unfamiliar with exactly how this ties in is social media. Talk to us a bit about that.
3: Okay. Um, For many people, social media is rather new in that it is an online process. Most of us who are baby boomers did not grow up with that. Ours was the face-to-face. So we've had to learn what this is all about. Um, I was among them. I was a holdout for Facebook and LinkedIn. Now I use them all the time, but probably not in the way that most people think of in terms of the conventional approach. One way to get into LinkedIn is to join a group. If you attended a university, find the alumni group. If you worked in a specific profession, find that group. And then what you, at least for myself, I receive messages from the group. One of them today had to do with branding and with the elevator pitch. And what I do is I respond to those. And I just share what my experience is visibility. That's what you get from this. And then people will respond and say, oh, I agree, I disagree. Whether they agree or disagree isn't what matters. The fact is my name is now out there. On Facebook, I post three times a week job search tips. And there are people who follow them religiously. They are very short. They're only one paragraph long, and they get to the heart of what can be helpful to you. People follow those. They give me feedback. I like that. Uh, They'll give me a comment on it. More visibility. These people will then refer what I write to their friends, and so you get more followers. Now, you can say, well, that's because of the type of work you do. What you do is Based upon the type of work that you're engaged in, how would you customize the use of those social media to your benefit?
2: Now, does there need to be a word of warning here in that we've all heard the stories about the potential employer who sits down with the potential employee, and they conduct the interview, and when they send them on their way, they turn around to the computer, and they go to Facebook, and they look at the profile, and they see, oh, my goodness, there's a picture of John Jones It was just here for um, an interview to uh, maybe do a high-profile position in our accounting department, uh, who's got pictures of him three sheets to the wind, uh, or there was stacks of money in Las Vegas, and all of a sudden now the hiring authority says, wait a minute. Is this the kind of responsible individual that we really want to have in charge of our accounting department when we know there's a potential drinking problem here? Or maybe all of those pictures in Las Vegas don't suggest a fun time, but rather a gambling problem. Do we have to be cautious about how we engage Facebook? And you brought up a good word, Craig, responsible.
3: I use these social media responsibly. People say, oh, I'm afraid that people will find out about me and my private life said they're only going to find out what I tell them. Mm. So I'm very selective in what I share. Uh, I never tell people where I'm going and what I'm doing. I'll tell them after the fact. But I think, is this part of my branding? And we can talk a little about branding. Is, and branding is simply how I want to represent myself to those around me. And if I have a good sense of what my brand is based on who I am as a person, then everything that I do will be based upon that. Mm. And so that acts as the filter for what goes on to that. And so then Facebook, LinkedIn become a vehicle that I control.
2: The branding, and I want to go a little deeper in this after a brief timeout. The branding can be critically important in how you basically present yourself. Uh, we think of Disney, for example, as being a fun destination for the entire family and a great place to take the kids and even grandma and enjoy some fun rides and diversion, etc., etc. That's how they have branded Disneyland, Right. So you have to look at yourself then almost as a product, don't you? You do. Because you are marketing a product,
3: you. Mm. And you become the your own manager of that marketing campaign.
2: So suddenly now we've shifted the dialogue from the desperation of sending out dozens of resumes and cover letters and hoping that somebody might possibly read one and pick up the phone and call me for an interview into establishing a marketing campaign based on the way in which i have branded my experience, my expertise, my skill set and then see things like volunteerism or facebook or linkedin as the the tools so to speak to promote my brand exactly
3: So in working with an individual to revise my website, and I'm in the process of doing that, we had to come up with my brand. And that was quite an experience for me. And so what we came up with were three terms that describe what I am like when I'm working with clients and when I'm out in the world networking. And the three terms that we came up with were personal attention, New beginnings and professionalism. Now I know whenever I post on Facebook and LinkedIn, it's a reflection of that brand. Mm-hmm. So I use that as a filter. So then I never have to worry about, do I post this or don't I? I just ask myself, does that fit the brand that I've developed.
2: So uh, in terms of having to think twice about uh, the pictures that were taken down at spring break in Florida, don't even have to worry about that. <laughs> doesn't go out there because it's not part of the brand. Exactly. So suddenly now, instead of these tools being roadblocks, as they quite often are, because if folks don't think, and I close this on, if you don't think that the hiring authority doesn't look at Facebook or in certain positions won't run a credit check on you, let me tell you right now, that's exactly what the hiring authority is doing. Now you have to ask yourself the question, is the branding consistent with the image that you want to create that's going to get you the greatest degree of favorable attention in the arena in which you have become visible to eventually find the ideal job. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. And so when
3: you take the time to develop that brand, and most people don't know of it naturally. In fact, I've done workshops on this and have people go through an exercise where they're just beginning the process. They often think that within 40 minutes they're going to walk out with their branding statement. It takes much more time than that because not only Do you collect the information based upon how you come across to those around you? You want to get feedback as to how accurate that is.
2: So we might, uh, for sake of conversation, graduate from I'm a mechanic looking for a job fixing cars to I am a mechanic experienced in foreign automobiles with a degree of expertise, not at just randomly changing parts until I find the one that's defective, but rather really knowing my job in diagnosis, in diagnosis rather, in order to then ascertain what's wrong with the vehicle, change that part, and ultimately save the customer money. That's it. Now I've created a brand. The hiring authority goes, wait a minute now. This is not just another mechanic. This is a guy that's got Experience in the right arena with the right attention to detail, that's gonna be a big hit with my clients. I like that idea. And by them save by the
3: customers saving money, it's gonna be quite a return on the investment because not only are they going to return, they're gonna tell their friends, you need to come to
2: so-and-so's garage. All right. On that point, I hope you're taking copious notes. We'll come back with some closing comments. Dr. David Petrove with us tonight. We're talking about how to reinvent you for the ideal job in the new job environment. A brief time out back with more of the conversation as this edition of Lifeline continues.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: Into the home stretch in our conversation tonight with a career counselor, Dr. David Petrovay. Let me mention, by the way, if you have been absorbing all of this great content that Dr. David has been sharing like a sponge and you want to be able to share it again or go back and, and maybe take some more uh, detailed notes. Uh, the podcast of tonight's broadcast will be up available on the KFAX website, oh, probably about 15 minutes or so. Just log on to KFAX.com and uh, click on the highly airbrushed photograph of me taken back in, uh, well, it was still tintype, I think, originally. <laughs> At any rate, you'll see the Lifeline contact page. Click on that, and uh, you'll find under today's date in the 6 p.m. hour, uh, the complete podcast of tonight's conversation. Also, I would be remiss if I did not direct you to Dr. Petrave's website where you've got, you do a daily blog, you do career counseling tips. A lot of the insights and many that you've shared with us here tonight are all available on your website. That's correct. Plus, if folks want to make an appointment to come in for career counseling, they need a little bit of one-on-one time, you're available to do that. You also facilitate seminars. I mean, there's a whole plethora of tools and resources, then, that they can get through your website. Am I right?
3: That's correct. And if people have a question about whether or not career coaching, career counseling would be right for them, I do offer a complimentary phone conference call with them. No cost involved to you at all and we can decide if we're a good match in working together. Some folks need a tune-up, other people need a complete overhaul, am I right? That's, and I work with all types. In fact, uh, the more variants I have, the more fascinating I find my job to be.
2: On the web, David davidpetrovecoaching.com. I uh, will spell the last name for you here. David Petrove, spelled P-E-T-R-O-V-A-Y coaching.com. David Petrovay coaching.com. Check it out. And uh, folks can also get details about your blog on that uh, location. That's right. That's right. As we head into the home stretch here tonight, Dr. Petrovay, maybe if you can kind of summarize some of the key points that we've discussed when it comes to reinventing oneself and most importantly, branding or marketing one's Self as a, a resource, so to speak, for the hiring world. Just walk us through some
3: highlights All right. again. Well, I think one of the changes that's taken place over the years is that we used to be hired by a company where the idea was you would stay with them long enough where you would get the proverbial gold watch, and that if you were loyal to the company, they would be loyal to you, that it was what we referred to as job security. In today's world, that's not the case. Even the best employees lose their jobs because of a variety of factors. So be the best that you can be knowing that the one variable that stays constant is you. So you actually work for yourself. And that's why right now you hear so much about me, Inc. So that's the company that you work for is yourself. And so you become your own marketing agent because of that. And in doing that, you need to be thinking about how to market. And one way that you begin to do that is through branding. What is it that you want to show the world that makes you unique and makes them want to
2: spend time with you? What really underscores your observations tonight, we've all heard the adage, there's no better means of advertising than word of mouth. Everybody says, I love to get good word of mouth. In the end, when we talk about connecting with people, volunteerism... Uh, visibility, as you mentioned earlier, utilizing some of the tools that are available to us in the modern world, such as LinkedIn and Facebook. And in the end, it all comes down to everything that you can do to spread word of mouth about your product, you, to get it in front of the potential hiring authority. Those are really the ultimate keys in order to get back into the working world again. And it is about establishing those relationships, So for people
3: who say, oh, networking, I don't know what I would say to a person when I met them for the first time. Think about what happened with your best friend. How did that person get to be your best friend? You talked about what you had in common. One way to break the ice when you go into a setting where you're surrounded by strangers, well, you can ask them what they do for a living, Well, you know, that's pretty much what we expect. Why not go into something that will get you more information, more connections, faster? Ask them, what do you do for fun? And wait for the answers. In what they do for fun, you'll be able to make connections. Somewhere along the line, you'll probably find something that you have in common. That's where you begin the relationship.
2: Craig, when you start relationships with people, how do you start them? The same way. Tell me about yourself or let me tell you a little something about me and we find a a common ground. We find a connection somehow through a common interest or something that we enjoyed, maybe the same music or a movie, something of that sort. And that's what you look for.
3: That's what's going to get you talking and connecting. The bottom line is the person that you are talking to They need to leave that experience feeling good about what just happened. When you're talking about things that you both like, that will help to have them walk away with that feeling. Mm. So it will be your name associated with, you know, when I think about
2: Craig Roberts, I feel good. It's all about becoming memorable. Exactly. Hopefully this conversation has been a memorable one for you and one that you can put to work to get back in the working world again. More details again on the web, davidpetrovecoaching.com. That's davidpetrovecoaching.com. Check out the podcast later on tonight at kfax.com.
1: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved